in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 3. I want to read a few verses of scripture in your hearing today. And uh, it's good to uh, see PJ. I haven't seen you in a while. God bless you. We love you. And pristine. God bless you. And Matt, God bless all of you. And the little, little uh, M&M. That's what Brother Chet calls, uh, calls his uh, precious little grandchild. So that's what, what I call him too. So amen. So good to see each of you. And um, I believe God's given me a word for Life Church today. And um, in fact, uh, it's one of those times, doesn't happen very often, where the Lord kept me up most of the night, a couple nights ago, uh, speaking to me for the church. And um, this is a, a message that I believe everyone in our church needs to hear. And uh, this, uh, in the last hour, hour and a half, two hours, I've got uh, was contacted by four different families to say they weren't going to be here today. So I said, Brother Chris, we got to make copies of the CD because this is something the Lord's given to me for our church family. And um, there are different kinds of messages and sermons, different kinds of words that God has for us. And that the Lord tells us, instructs us to preach the full counsel of the Word of God. And so this one may be a little different than typical fare. But I believe that the Word of God is true and it indicates that the Lord chose preaching to save them that would believe. The foolishness of preaching. Sometimes uh, it doesn't fully make sense. We don't fully understand what it means. But the Word of God is what's going to sustain us and take us all the way to glory. What makes transformation and changes in our lives. So in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 9 says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Look at that. It says, ye are God's building. In the New Living Translation, it says, for we're both God's workers, and you're God's field, and you are God's building. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Everybody say master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. Uh, but the, the, the passage of Scripture here is indicating that, that the apostle says, I'm a builder, and I'm building something. I'm building something on you, and the right foundation has been laid very interesting he indicates to us as individuals within the church he says we are God's building and in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 we see this principle reiterated the apostle Paul once again says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them uh, the New Living Translation of the same verse says, We are God's masterpiece. We are God's most important work. We are His most important piece of artwork or His most important building. And He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So the principle in Scripture here we see is that God is building something. God's building a church. Jesus told the apostle Peter that upon this rock, I will build my church. How many understands he wasn't talking about building a church building? 
but he was talking about building a church made up of people. Bible, another place, refers to us as lively stones fitly framed together. And this building called the church is being built out of faith-filled individuals that are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. But also there's another building that's happening, and that's an individual building. Together we make up the corporate church, but God's building something in you and me. God wants to finish the work in you and me so that we can accomplish the good works that he had planned for us from the beginning of time. And what I want to talk to you today about is I want to talk about the building materials that make up this building that God is building in you. More specifically, I want to entitle this the building blocks of faith. Because if I'm going to be built up so that the church can be built up, I kind of need to know what the materials are that make up this building. And so we're going to look into the Word of God and discover what these components that make up the building of God are. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Word. And we pray, Lord God, that you administer to us by the anointing and power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you promised that you'd be with us all the way to the end. And we take hold of these promises that you give to us this day. I pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and our ears and our understanding to receive what thus saith the word of the Lord today. I pray, Jesus, that you would minister to every family and to every individual, every single adult in this place. And we promise to give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And every person said, Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord as we're seated. Amen. God bless. Hallelujah. We know that the Bible makes it clear that corporately we make up the church of the living God. And God is forming or building this church out of individuals. Now the building materials that God is using to build his church is not typical building materials like masonry, stone, wood, plaster, uh, uh, roofing materials, tile, and so forth. But he is building this kingdom in this church of the living God out of spirit-filled people, out of people who believe in what God has promised and taught. And this church that he's building is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. So this building that God is building has as its cornerstone, as its immovable object that creates its uh, points, uh, is Jesus Christ himself and the words and the ministry and teaching of Jesus Christ. And then the foundation that is laid is the foundation of the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. And I think we've taught about that, and hopefully there's a good enough understanding among the body of believers uh, that we are making up the church of the living God. But I want to talk more individually today about the fact that God is trying to build in you and in me a life of faith or create a, a vessel of honor. God's trying to build something out of your life. God's trying to build something in your family. Hey, I want to tell you today that a strong church is made up of strong families. And strong families are made up of strong mamas and daddies. Amen? And so it's an individual strength that brings about a strong church. And it's God's work in the individual level that produces is a greater work on the corporate level. We can't expect to have a great church and have weak Christians. Amen? 
We can't expect to have a mature church but have the individuals within the church being spiritually immature. God is building something in my life and God desires to build something in your life. In Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse 1, it tells us that we should leave behind the principles of the doctrines of Christ and go on to perfection. Notice it says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. What the passage of Scripture here is saying is that there is a foundational, doctrinal foundation that has been laid that doesn't have to be laid again. It's a a doctrine of repentance from sins and turning from a life of sin and dead works. Uh, It's a doctrine of the importance and significance of baptism, both water and spirit baptism. And the various uh, foundational doctrines of the church. But the apostle says here, let's not stay in this place, but let us move on unto perfection. Everybody say perfection. God's plan is not for a foundation to be left unfinished. God's plan never was for this building to simply get at the foundation stage, this building in my life of faith, to simply be in the foundation stage and that it would not go beyond that. Uh, The foundation is repentance and water baptism, but he's saying, let's go on to perfection. Now, we understand and we mentioned some time ago in your hearing that perfection here is probably a different word than what we would uh, normally consider when we think of the word perfection. When we think of perfection, we think of something that is absolutely flawless, that is uh, without any, any, any type or residue of anything that would corrupt it. But the word perfection here actually it would be better translated completion. Can you say completion? To help you understand that, uh, it was actually mentioned in the video clip that we looked at. Many of us have seen before or been by building projects that were started but weren't completed. You've seen that before. In fact, Brother Steele said there's one on Huntington Boulevard right now that they started the project, but all of a sudden they stopped and it was incomplete. It's kind of an embarrassment if you're part of a project that gets started, but it doesn't get completed. Because every time someone drives by and sees the foundation and maybe just some steel beams or steel structures standing up and nothing else being accomplished, nothing else happening. Usually, that's a pretty good indication that something is not right. The Bible is saying here, in your life, there's a foundation that's been laid. There is some beginning preliminary process that's taking place in this building, this masterpiece or workmanship that God is creating out of you. But His plan is that you would not stay at the foundational stage and be an incomplete project. Right? God doesn't want you to be an incomplete project. Just because you know foundational understanding and doctrines doesn't mean that God's finished with you yet. It doesn't mean that God's job uh, that, that he wants to work together with you to accomplish is finished. But we are laborers together with him. 
That means we work together with God to complete this project that he is working in us. The apostle said, wake up, church. You think you're done and all you've got is the foundation laid. There is much more to be accomplished in your life to complete the work that God started in you. Can you say amen? God didn't call us to be perfect, but he did call us to be completed projects. As uh, Brother Costa mentioned on the, on the uh, DVD, the passage of Scripture indicates that before you enter into a project, wisdom would tell you to count the cost first because an incomplete project is a tragedy and uh, it creates frustration, creates frustration when, when you're incomplete. And some people don't understand why they're not moving on and why God can't use them the way that he that they feel that they should be used and that what they seem to miss out on is the fact that their project is incomplete and they've stopped halfway or halfway done or half baked and they haven't let God continue the project or the process within them and it's frustrating from the position of a pastor to see somebody who has plateaued at a half done stage to see someone who has only gotten to a certain place in their personal development and they're still coming to church and they've still embracing the doctrines but for some reason it's not getting through to them that the project's not done that they're only in the foundational stages, that God has so much more that He wants to accomplish in them so that He can accomplish some things through them. God wants to do some things through you, but He can't do it until He finishes what He has started in you. And so I sometimes cry out to God, why are this person or that person, why is there seem to be a stop and they're not moving forward? Why does it seem like their family is just on freeze frame and they're not developing and, and it's frustrating, God, it's frustrating, it's frustrating. And then I felt an impulse from God that said, if you think it's frustrating for you, think of how it feels for me when I have a plan and a purpose from the beginning of time for that life. I'm the master. Not you, little preacher boy. I'm the one that's building a masterpiece here. But I've got to work together with that person. Amen. And, and by the way, I've got to use you too, God says, because the Bible says the apostles, prophets, uh, and uh, teachers and pastors are working together to help bring people to maturity and perfection. And that's what I'm here doing today. I'm trying to move you off of the place where you find yourself stuck in. I'm trying to remind you that uh, uh, you may not notice it and uh, uh, others around you may not give you the clue, but God knows that you're a project half finished and he wants to complete what he has started in you. See, you've got the foundation right. You understand what you believe. How about building some walls now? How about let's frame some doors up now? Why don't we go ahead and raise the roof? Come on, somebody. How about an exterior facade and some roofing materials? Let's put some stuff together. Amen. And you may be saying, preacher, that sounds good. That's, that's a great metaphor and it makes lots of sense. But I've got to get a practical understanding of what you're saying here because I know and realize that God is not going to use plaster and, and wood and so forth. What is he going to use? How does this process happen? How does God complete what he has started in me how do we actually do this thing and, and to help you understand that i want to talk about the building blocks of your faith this building that god's trying to complete in you this thing that god's trying to finish in you so that he can use you in the way that he always wanted 
to use you. This is the construction materials for this building. I'm going to say this. It's probably not going to make sense to you right now, but I'm going to help it make sense to you. I believe that the building blocks of your faith, the thing that completes the building, are convictions. Convictions are the building blocks of faith. You don't build this building together with God in your life simply on raw inspiration. You don't build it on emotional rushes and feelings. But you build this building that God is desiring to build in your life out of convictions. The Bible says we are laborers together with Him. That means we're partners with God in this project. This project of completing what He started in us is a joint project between you and Jesus Christ. We are laborers together with Him. If the building materials are convictions, let's talk about how this works right now and stay with me just for a second so you can see how that we work together with Jesus Christ, with God Himself, to complete this project in Him. How does it work? Now, I want you to see in, in Hebrews chapter 4, if you want to go there, you can, or they're going to pull it up. In verse chapter 4, verse 1 of the book of Hebrews, it's talking about the children of Israel and how their situation relates to us. It says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. Look at verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. It did not accomplish anything in them. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now it says here the reason that the children of Israel, those that were in the wilderness, never got to complete their journey. The reason they couldn't complete their journey is because when the gospel was preached, they didn't mix faith with the gospel that was preached. And because this mixing didn't happen, there was no profit to the preaching. And the preaching didn't accomplish its goal. And what was the goal? The goal was completing. The goal was getting them into the promised land. The goal was getting them out of the wilderness. The goal was getting them to enjoy everything that God had for them. It never happened. They never entered into the promised land. They never entered into the rest. And the reason was they didn't let the two parts be mixed together. God did his part by sending a preacher. God did his part by declaring a word. But the word didn't help them because they didn't work together with the word by mixing their faith with the word that was preached. So it's a very simple concept here. This is how we work together with God. When God gives us a word, when God delivers a word through a preacher or through his word, the way that uh, it becomes profitable or of use to us is when it is mixed together with faith in the people that are hearing it. Amen? All right, let me explain it to you. God's word is declared to his people. The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And when God's word comes in contact with human faith, 
something dynamic happens. We know the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now we're going to talk about bringing two parts together and something dynamic happens when these two parts come together. And the first part, the first essential necessary part is the preaching of the word. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21. The Bible says, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. Once again, another translation says, since God in his wisdom saw that, that uh, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, we'd never know God through human wisdom, but he used our foolish preaching to save those who would believe. There is something powerful about the declared word of God. God said people aren't going to be able to figure this out using their wisdom using their algorithms and using their scientific reasoning. They're not going to come to the conclusion that they need God or that they need to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, no matter how wise they are or knowledgeable and how much information they have, they're going to end up coming short. Uh, so God said, I'm going to use something that doesn't make sense uh, from the wisdom of this world and I'm going to use the foolishness uh, of the preaching or the declaring of the word of God to change and to save them that would believe amen it doesn't make sense that this would from a human perspective that this would be the method that god would use but this is the part that god sends our direction to help us to grow and to help us to experience salvation in jesus christ amen so everybody understand from the word of god that preaching is designed to help people be saved everybody say amen if you believe it preaching is the, the, the means by which God saves us. That can be preaching, that can be teaching, that's declaring and speaking forth the word of the Lord. That's why we put so much emphasis on doing these life studies and getting out and teaching and preaching to someone the word of the Lord. However, not all preaching will produce salvation. Not all preaching produces convictions. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, it talks about in the end times, it says there's a time coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, for they will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. The Bible says that in the last days, people would not want to listen to sound, biblical, wholesome teaching. However, they would want to find people that would speak to them the things that their ears wanted to hear. And the result, as you read on in that passage, is that those that have itching ears and want to hear what they want to hear end up rejecting truth and chasing after myths. Let me tell you that not all the preaching that is going on in the world today produces change in life. So not all preaching brings about a transformation, amen? Because there is a type of preaching that has become in vogue today that is a style of preaching that only makes people 
people feel good and only makes people feel encouraged and only makes people feel that things are going to get better. Now, I understand that the Word of God does give us a mandate to preach and teach those kinds of things, but there is a counter to it. The Bible tells us to preach the full counsel of the Word of God. And if I go to church week after week after week after week and I never get any convictions in my spirit, I only am made to feel good for the way I am living currently, then something's not right and something's not being accomplished. It is the foolishness of preaching and declaring the Word of God that brings about salvation in a person's life. So if the first part is the preaching of the Word of God, it's what builds us up. And, and that's why in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, it says God gave gifts to the church and the gifts that He gave were apostles and prophets, teachers, pastors, and uh, 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 an evangelist. These gifts that God gave to the church were for the purpose of building up the church. So when the preaching, the teaching of the word goes forward, God is doing his part. He has positioned a man. He has positioned a person to declare the word of the Lord to you. And God's message is going forth. The first part is being done. When the word is anointed, when the word is delivered from the, from the mouthpiece of God, then this is God's part being done. But what is the second part? The second part in the equation is the part that you and I have to do. Because the word alone will have no effect in your life. And I'm going to tell you right now that you could sit around and listen to the best preaching you've ever heard for hours on end, and potentially it could have no benefit in your life. It could change nothing until it is mixed with your faith. And when it is mixed with your faith, when these two come together, something dynamic begins to happen. When my faith and God's word mixed together, something transpires, something changes, something happens. When I was starting my college studies, I worked my way through college, and one of my first jobs that I had, I think from my senior year in high school into my first year and a half of college, was I worked at a uh, um, uh, kind of a hardware supply store. It was called Handy Home Center. And uh, there's some things that I saw that, that were very interesting to me. Up to that point in my life, I hadn't been involved much in construction. But uh, I, I saw this one thing that was fascinating. It's called J.P bond what it is it's a two-part epoxy there's two different parts and you buy them together in a bag but they're in separate containers the reason is that these two products don't have any value or use when they're separate but what you do is you take the one kind of soft putty type stuff and you form together whatever you want to be stuck together and once it's formed you just set it there you can pull it apart you can put it back it's like just like play-doh sort of and you put it together. But then when you add the other part to this uh, two-part epoxy, all of a sudden it becomes so rigid and so hard and so strong that you can't pry it apart. You can't, you can, it, it, let's say you put two pipes together, you can't bend it, you can't break it. It is, it is almost impregnable. It's an amazing, amazing epoxy. But the key is that it's two parts because if you just add the one part, it doesn't work. Or if you add the edges, pour the other part on, it doesn't do any work. Or if you bought it with the two parts mixed together, you couldn't use it, right? Because it would already be hard. 
And so you put the first part in place. And once the first part is in place, and, it's, and, it's, and you got it where you want it, then the other part is mixed together with it, and all of a sudden it hardens and becomes very useful and very profitable. That was one thing I, I saw in Handy Home Center. Another thing that I saw in Handy Home Center were great big bags of something called Quickcrete. Quickcrete. In my career at Handy Home Center, I lifted many, hoisted many a bag, 50-pound bag of Quickcrete onto my shoulder to carry it out for the customer because uh, I was the flunky in the warehouse that was carrying things around. That was my job. Uh, in wheelbarrows or on the little hand trucks or on my shoulder as well. Uh, but Quickcrete was a bag of, of cement mix. And if you tore it open, it would just pour out like sand. And uh, really no use for it other than to maybe lift weights and do some curls back there if you wanted to. But there was no use for it when it was in that form. But what you do is you put it in the place where you want it. You pour it in. Let's say you're, you're setting some fence posts. Uh, uh, and, and you put the fence posts in the hole. And then you pour in the concrete mix. And then it's still, I mean, you can still move it around however you want to. Then you add water to it. And when you mix it together with water, something dynamic begins to happen. It may take a few minutes, but something begins to harden up. It begins to be rigid, and before very long, you've got a stable uh, a fence post that you can't move out hardly with a tractor because of the power of mixing these two things together. I hope you're getting the illustration or the metaphor or the point here is that God's word has the power to fix things in our life. But when God's word is in place and we, we let it be applied and we see that it's in place and, and we see that it can make a change and a difference in our life, uh, it does not become permanent and it doesn't become useful until it's mixed together with our faith until something dynamic happens in our spirit to make something supernatural transpire. So we have the preaching of the Word of God and then we have our faith. I want to tell you what I believe happens when our faith comes together with the Word of God. These two things make a new thing. And the new thing that is produced from the Mixing of these two things is called a conviction. A conviction. A conviction. When you first heard the gospel preached to you, you may have sat and listened to it and thought, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm not sure if I can embrace or accept this message or not. But somewhere along the way, the preaching or the teaching of the word, it got to it cut you to the heart. And all of a sudden, something began to shift inside of you. And you may not have said it with your mouth, but something inside of you began to shout out, I believe the word. I believe now that the preacher's telling the truth. I believe that I need to repent of my sins. I believe I really do need to get down there and get things right with God. I came in here thinking everything was okay, but the preaching of the word began to get into my heart. And instead of just listening to it like I normally do with arms folded and jaw set, I began to respond to it. I began to say, I believe. I begin to mix my faith with the word of God. And when that happens, something begins to break. 
break. Tears begin to flow and minds begin to be changed and people begin to make their way to give their life to the Lord Jesus. When somebody preaches and when the spirit of man or the heart of man responds to the declared word of God, something new is being formed. That's where your foundation came from. The foundation that you started with, those of you that are members of the body of Christ, that foundation was formed because you heard the preaching of the word. You heard a Bible study. You heard teaching. And you mixed it with your faith. You said, I believe that. It's in the word. I believe it. I accept. And I embrace that. And when it came together, a conviction was formed. Let me tell you something about Quickcrete and J.P. Bond. These two components, when you mix the two parts together, they become solid and impregnable, something you can build on, something you can have confidence in. And when the Word of God mixes in your faith, in your life, in this body here, in this container, something solid is established. Something spiritually impregnable is established because when the Word of God mixed with your faith, something became solid. And we call it a conviction. It's not just, I believe this, or this is what's convenient to me, or this is what I do because I'm in a social group that does this. No. God's word came together with my faith, and boom, something supernatural was. It's a conviction. And now I believe that a person has to give their life to the Lord in order to be saved. I believe now. And I am convinced, it's a conviction deep in my spirit, that Jesus is the only way, amen, to find new life through Jesus Christ. I believe and I'm convinced that water baptism is essential as a part of salvation. Baptism doth now save us. The foundation was established because the preached and the taught word of God mixed together with my faith and created something called a conviction. Everybody say conviction. 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 What is a conviction? Conviction is something that's hard. Conviction is something that's solid. And it was formed because these two things came together. Let me share you the difference between a conviction and a suspicion. There's a difference between a, a, a conviction and a suspicion. And uh, uh, if someone is suspected of a crime or alleged that they did a crime, it's not a settled deal not settled some people believe it there may be some evidence but there's not a conviction yet it has to go through the process of the law and uh, if it's not a conviction then there's a good chance you can get out on bail but once it reaches the point where all the evidence has been spread out both sides have presented their arguments and finally the jury comes forth with a verdict and the judge presents his sentencing you have a conviction Conviction doesn't happen until all that questioning and all that evidence is brought out there. But when there is a conviction, it's settled. It's solid. It's established. You don't keep bringing out the evidence and questioning it and, and bringing it out and laying it all out on the table anymore. No, you've got a conviction now. And a conviction, a spiritual conviction, is something that is solid because you can't build on it till it's solid. don't build a building on a on a uh, foundation if the foundation is still setting up you have to wait till it's set up wait till it's solid 
So there's a difference between a conviction and a suspicion. One thing is that a conviction is something that is solid, something that is established, and something that you can build upon. It's foundational. And this conviction uh, that makes a difference in people's life. Notice in Acts chapter 2, when the preaching went forth, the Bible says they were cut to their heart. We call this conviction. That itchy preaching, that itchy ear preaching that I mentioned doesn't produce convictions. It doesn't bring about change in people. Lives. It just causes them to feel positive or good about where they are and what they're doing. But spirit led preaching brings about convictions in people's lives. Amen? Two characteristics of a conviction. Number one is, as I mentioned, a conviction is something that when you mix the water and the concrete mixed together, the result is something hard that you can't manipulate anymore. It's set, it's solid, it's unshakable. It's unmovable. It's something to be built on. The foundation of your faith, I want to tell you, saints of God, is solid. It's established in the Word of God, and your faith responded to it. Repentance and baptism and spirit baptism. And, but I want to tell you that what gets built upon the foundation of your faith is formed the same way. It's formed the same way. Your preaching mixed together with faith in order for your foundation to be built on. It has to be built with the same building blocks, the building blocks of faith, which is convictions. You don't build this building of faith, or God doesn't work together with you to build just because of uh, that Christianity is a fad or, or something that your family's doing or it's a hobby or something that you want to try for a while. That's not how you build this building. It's, it's not something that you do just to fit in or something that you do because it's expected of you. It's something that is built and established by faith. Can you imagine if you had uh, uh, laid a nice foundation and you had a plan for a building and the foundation was solid and concrete uh, uh, lay four feet below the surface and, and, and the block uh, foundation was established and you decided, you know what, I've got to build this building but I think instead of using something hard like blocks, I'm just going to use like those soft foam bricks. That uh, 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 and I'll just build the rest of the house with that foam brick, or or let's just build the rest of the house with bricks made out of play-doh that we can push and mash around if we want to. No, the the product that you use the the the, the Integrity and the solidness of the foundation has to be in the same material that you use to finish the project and to finish the building. And I want to tell you that the building that God wants to finish in your life is a supernatural thing. It's not something that I can manipulate or coerce or cause. It's something that happens when God's preaching uh, through the Word, through the man of God, mixes together with my faith and a new block is formed. A new conviction is formed. There's something else that I believe is established and I say I'm not going to move on because a sign of immaturity is someone who is changing their mind all the time. A sign of spiritual immaturity is someone who is changing their mind all the time about what they believe 
But spiritual maturity that brings about the completion of the project is someone who says, okay, this thing's settled now. Let's put it into the foundation or let's put it into the framework and let's move on now instead of continuing to uh, uh, bring about questions about the same thing that was supposed to have been established a long time ago. I'm talking about building up saints here. I'm not talking about building a crowd or having a frothy a group that gathers together and, and when it's fun and when it feels good and when it's exciting and when the mood is right, everybody shows up. I'm talking about the people of God that are ready to go all the way. When persecution comes, when it's not fun anymore, when people are making fun of you, when it's not cool to be a Christian, you're settled and you're established. Let me tell you something. That doesn't happen because something feels good and that doesn't happen because of emotions and that doesn't happen because of a, 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 of a wave of inspiration but that happens when God's word comes together with your faith and something is put in the wall. Something is laid into the framework. Something is built up on the foundation. Man, but there are many people who never move on to completion. The project is half done. The preaching produces no change in their life. Why is this? How does this happen? Maybe, maybe it's because they, they're, they're, they haven't taken the time or the trouble to become personally familiar with God's word. They're intellectual pygmies when it comes to scripture they have not developed they've not grown they don't know anything about the word of god this may be part of the problem maybe they're dull or insensitive because they're so wrapped up and intrigued and interested in other things notice it said last week said last week be careful the bible says be careful how you hear maybe there's some people that don't want to hear they want to be here, but they don't want to hear what God has to say. And so they tune out. Maybe they're faithless or they're just faking it, just social Christians. But whatever it is, they're not moving on. Maybe they may do some things to make it look like their building's being put together for the sake of appearance or reputation. They put together some kind of a building without this supernatural mixing because they don't have any building blocks. But if you're going to build up your faith, if you're going to build a solid marriage, if you're going to build a solid family, if you're going to build solid faith for the future the only way it happens is when you let the preaching or the word of God mix together with your faith and something to become solid and something to become immovable amen that's how faith works that's why some people never move beyond where they are they're happy with the foundation living for God is more than just an initial experience you got to move on and you can't build on inspiration. You can't build on excitement. You build with convictions. I hope somebody's hearing what I'm saying today. You build this spiritual life together with God with convictions when these two parts come together. What happens? Something is established. The Bible says this way in, in the Old Testament in Isaiah. It says line upon line, precept upon precept. What's a precept? It's a scriptural principle. So this building is built like you've ever seen a brick wall being built some of you may remember when we uh, put the uh, stone facade we built it kind of line upon line we put a line of bricks up bottom we established the, the level and then we built another line on top. And then another line of bricks on top of that this is the same way that the spiritual life is built it's line upon line scriptural precept upon scriptural precept god is wanting to complete the project in you 
And he's wanting to complete the project in me, but I've got to build on top of what's already there and I've got to put more on it. But the only building materials that we have are convictions. When God's word, whether it's a word from the spirit of God, whether it's a word from a preacher or the word from the written word of God mixes together with our faith and brings about this change, this is when convictions are established and this is which, where building blocks are put together. Now the second characteristic that I want to mention about a, a, a conviction is when a conviction is formed, a little preacher is born. Say that again. When a conviction is formed, a little preacher is born. I don't know who the best preacher is that you've ever heard. The greatest preacher you've ever heard. I want you to think about the greatest preaching or the greatest message, the greatest preacher that you ever heard. And there's a better preacher for you anyhow that God wants to create. It's called your conscience. A little preacher on the inside that's more effective than any preacher on the outside. The Bible says we hold the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. And when faith and God's word comes together and a conviction is established, something solid is created, God's word becomes internalized and our conscience becomes that little preacher inside. See, here's the difference between somebody who is serving God out of obligation and serving God because they have a conviction of spirit. There's a difference. Still with me? There's a difference between somebody who is serving God because it's socially the thing to do right now or because, you know, they just want to kind of improve their life and things to be better and somebody who has a conviction. Somebody who, does not, who is trying to serve God out of obligation instead of conviction continuously needs external force to be applied in order for them to stay in line they always got to be somebody encouraging them always got to be somebody bringing them back into line there always has to be this constant external correction that happens and you just can't preach it hard enough and straight enough for them because it takes that to keep them on the straight and narrow because they're just doing it out of obligation. But when a conviction is born, it doesn't require any more external motivation because something's been planted on the inside. A little preacher that when I begin to violate the principles or the convictions that God's put in my heart, there's something that begins to tell me, huh, uh, no, 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 no. It's not, uh, oh, I hope Pastor Brown doesn't see me or I hope one of the saints of church uh, come by and don't see me. It's there's already something inside of you that is preaching a message to you that is laying out point by point why the principles and scriptural principles that apply to your life are so important and when a conviction is established in your life there's nothing that can knock it down there's nothing that can knock it aside doesn't matter what your friends are doing doesn't matter what's cool and what the the, the latest wave is it's the conviction that's established in your heart because when a conviction is formed a little preacher is born that will ever inside of you declare the truth of God's word to you so if you don't have a conviction you make your choices saying well what would pastor do what, what, what does brother brown think or what does this person in the church think but when each with conviction there's that eternal voice consider Daniel Daniel was one who was separated from his family separated from his friends separated from his spiritual leadership and put to the test. The Bible says he refused to eat the king's meat and violate his principles. You know why? 
It wasn't because he had proper motivation. It wasn't because externally there were people that were giving him the words. It was because somewhere along the way, the word that his mother taught him while she sat on his knee about the principles of being God's separate people and God's called out people mixed together with that little faith in his heart. And when he reached the point where his faith was tested, he didn't need any external motivation. There was something inside of him that says, I'm not going to take that meat. I know I can get away with it. I know everybody else is doing it. I know it's a cool thing to do now, but there's something from God's word that's mixed with my faith and made something that can't be washed away. See, there's way too many people that call themselves Christians that are very fickle. They're inspiration junkies going from here to there to get themselves tickled so that they can feel good. Bible calls them milk drinkers. They never move on to the next level and they never become what God wanted them to be. God's saying it's time to move on to maturity. It's time to establish some things so that we can build on top of them. Because if you're always questioning and never establishing, then you can never move on. God can't build on questions. He can build on convictions. The Bible gives examples of Christianity that is void of convictions. It's called immaturity. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, 14, it says of God's purpose is that we would come to the full stature of Jesus Christ being fully mature. Then it says, then we will no longer be like children. See, children are, 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 are important Children are part of the family. We love children, but children are supposed to grow up. Right? Right? If somebody doesn't grow up, that doesn't mean we don't love them anymore. But it means something's not right. Something's not progressing like it should. Children are, are, are not meant to be babies forever. It says, we'll no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone told us something different. Or because someone has cleverly lied to us and make the lie sound like the truth. Tell you what, the job of the ministry is to help us get to maturity. And immaturity is characterized by someone who makes decisions based on their feelings rather than on their values. Rather than on the convictions that are established. See, you make a mistake when you make major decisions based on how you feel. Are you listening to me? Have I preached too long? Amen. When you make decisions based on your feelings rather than convictions, you're always going to get in trouble. And when you put your hand and gag the mouth of that little preacher inside and do whatever it is that you want to do, you put yourself in a precarious position. See, feelings ebb and flow, but convictions are solid. Convictions are set. They're established, and there are principles in the Word of God that are part of building a life a righteous life, principles in the Word of God, that if we ignore them, if we, when they're preached, we just say, I don't want to hear that, or I don't want to mess with that, or that's not appropriate to me right now, or, or I'm not ready for that, uh, then what happens is we just continue to be an incomplete project. God doesn't want you to be an incomplete project. There are several examples that I could give you. One example would be in your personal finances. Your personal finances. We went through uh, the... Uh, um, uh, What's the name of the program we went through? I'm sorry. Financial Peace University. And we learned a lot of scriptural principles from the Word of God. And there's one example in the Word of God that's part of establishing and growing and developing as a Christian. And it has to do with our finances. 
God's word addresses that subject. Here's the principle. It's that when you are in a covenant relationship with God and you do not tithe on your income, that means you keep the 10% of your income that belongs to God, God's word says that you're robbing from God and you're forfeiting as a result, you're forfeiting God's protection, you're forfeiting God's provision and so on and so on. Look what the Bible says in Malachi. It says, will a man rob God? I'm going to read it again because you need to hear it because some of you, the word of God hasn't mixed with any faith yet. Yet ye have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithe. What do you say? All the tithe. That means any income that I make, I give God the first 10%. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You're going to have some protection. And he shall not destroy the fruits of the ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Remember how a conviction is formed. It's when the word is preached and all of a sudden it gets through to your heart and in your heart your faith says, hey, I believe the word of God and I want the word of God to be alive and the principles of the word to be lived through my life. I believe it. I accept it. And when that happens, something is established and something is formed in your spirit. Something is laid into the wall in your house of faith. Somehow now your decisions and your behavior is changed. Amen? And the job that the preacher had is now handed off to a little preacher inside that takes care of the job from now on. So when someone gets a conviction about this area of growing, in, in Christianity, this area of living for God and becoming what God wants you to be. Once they get a conviction for that, they don't have to be preached to or taught about the principles any longer. It's established. I mean, and you can see it. You can look at members in the church body that have established this in their life. And uh, then you see the others that do it out of obligation or do it, they say, well, because well, I, I want Pastor Brown to know that I'm supporting. You're missing the whole point. The point is it's a conviction when the word of God with your faith something becomes solid that all of a sudden now you can build a comp on and God can go to the next stage and bring the next line. But you know what? If you refuse or reject the word of God in this area, that wall is just going to be left undone. We'll have to build the other side here. We'll build this side. We'll work on this over here. But this gaping wall in the house that God's trying to build can never be accomplished because there's no convictions built and there's no materials to build the wall with. Uh -huh. Can't build it with it out of foam. You've got to build it out of convictions. And convictions only happen when the Word of God gets a hold of you and it's mixed with your faith and a little preacher gets planted inside. Amen? Right. Right, 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 right. Here, here's how tithing works with... Here's how tithing works in a Christian's life that's serving God out of obligation. 
and they're not building the building out of conviction. They say, yeah, I, I want to tithe. And so they tithe when they have a good month. They say, hey, I had a good month this month. I'm going to give 10% to the Lord. Or they tithe when they get a bonus at work. Hey, I got a bonus at work. I'm going to give God 10% of this. Or they tithe if they happen to make it to church that week. Oh, late for church. Well, we'll not tithe on this week. We'll just tithe on, on next week. Not that that goes through their mind, but that's the way of thinking of somebody who tithes out of obligation. But when you are a tither out of conviction, there is no way you would touch that money that belongs to the Lord. Because you have understand and have mixed your faith with the word of God that by touching that, I'm bringing a curse on my life instead of a blessing. But by giving it to the Lord, there is great provision coming to me. God's promises are going to be unfolded in my life. And do I have a witness that the word of God is true in this, that you cannot outgive God, but that when you obey the principles of the word of God, Hey, look at me. I love you. I love every single one of you. But God put me in this church to keep you from staying a baby from now on. So from every once in a while, I've got to remind you, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to start doing now. I'm not talking to our visitors today, please understand, uh, and our new babies in Christ. But I'm talking about those of you that should know by now that this is part of living for God. There's some things that have to be established as convictions in order for me to be able to move on. Amen? That little preacher on the inside won't let you sleep. Man, I've had people call me before, and I knew that the little preacher was being formed. They're like, Pastor Brown, I, I, I came to church and I had my tithe check, and I forgot to put it in the, in the offering envelope. And do I need to bring that by the church today? It's Monday. Do I need to bring that by? Or is it okay if I, I, I just save it till Sunday? And I'm like, Hey, do whatever you want to do. Uh, don't think that uh, uh, this is about me. It's about you and God. And uh, yeah, absolutely that's fine that you bring it next Sunday. But the point is, it wasn't external. It was internal. Something inside of them was saying, this is a conviction. This is a God thing. This is a Bible thing. This is a me and Jesus thing. This isn't a me and Pastor Brown thing, but this is a me and Jesus thing. And I want this to be established. I want this to be right in my life. And I thank God that somewhere along the way, a conviction got a hold of me to where if I go one day or one week without making sure that my tithes are paid, I get nervous that my tire's going to blow on my car. Or I get nervous. Why? Because the tires are kind of bald and bald tires blow. But bald tires don't blow as fast when you're paying your tithe. Ooh, that's something you could tweet and put on Twitter, couldn't you? All tires don't blow as fast when you're paying your time. That's just one example of how this wall is established, how God's purpose is established in your life. Another one is the principle, uh, the, the, one of the oldest doctrines and the most well-established doctrines in the Bible is the doctrine of separation from the world. It's a doctrine that you never hear preached in hardly any churches anymore. The Bible lets us know that if we're going to move on to completion, part of moving on to completion is being separated from the defilement and the filth of this world. God wants to use you. And the more mature you become, the more God can use you. As I said, separation is a very established doctrine in Scripture. Holiness means being set apart for God's purpose. Set apart unto God. And along the way, 
If you're going to be what God wants you to be in the process of maturing, in this building being built up, God will speak to you and convict you about certain things. His word speaks. You're reading in the Bible for yourself or you hear a message or you're in prayer after reading the word of God and God begins to speak to your heart and all of a sudden you say, I believe the word of God and I accept what God has to say. And when they connect, Boom! Something powerful happened. Something solid is established. And rather than being a flaky, fickle, wishy-washy, in and out and up and down, something is established that makes you solid enough to stand in the time of the storm, to stand in the time of the trial. To stand, having done all to stand. Difficulty comes. You become a believer. You watch your language don't use foul language anymore it becomes a conviction see you know I could watch my language around certain people it all do that and then around other people go ahead and use foul language that's not conviction that's being a lie a hypocrite a fake gossiping the Bible tells us not to gossip Gossiping is a part of this world. Gossip is not supposed to be a part of the church. Amen? Talking about your brothers and sisters, speaking negatively about the ones that you're supposed to love and lay down your life for, right? Gossip's not supposed to be a part of the church. That's a part of the old nature. When God convicts your heart, you begin to feel that kind of, I'm not supposed to be saying this. You better let that preacher preach. Come on now. Let that little preacher open up his mouth and back you into the corner. When you find yourself kind of getting kind of loose with the truth and telling half-truths and lies, let there be something established. See, that's the old person that you used to be, the old gambler and the rambler and the drinker and, and the person that was a drunkard. That's the old person, but God's trying to create something new. And when God's word comes together with your faith, something is established. And you don't want to lie anymore. And you don't want to backbite anymore. And you fall out of love with alcohol and fall in love with the new wine of the Spirit. And, and, you, and the lewd, sensual living and the immodest lifestyle, immodest attire, immodest dress that you wear as tight as possible and as revealing as possible, ladies, sometimes, so that uh, you can catch the attention of the man's eye. Somewhere along the way, God's got to give you a conviction in your spirit. You know what I'm saying? Because I could sit here all day as a pastor and, youth pastor and spiritual leader and say, okay, you need, your dress needs to be this long and you need to wear your shirt like this and this long. There's a principle here. The principle is somewhere along the way, let God's spirit speak to you. Uh-huh. I got an idea. How about put it on, stand in front of the mirror and say, God, what do you think? Jesus, what do you think? Is this drawing undue attention to me? Is this immodest? Is this, am I doing this to try to be sensual or prideful? Or, is this, or, or am I trying to serve you with my life? Am I trying to let your glory shine through my good deeds and through my kindness? Or, or am I trying to show off my pretty figure? What's the deal? Amen. Let God speak to you because if there's a conviction that's established, otherwise somebody always from the outside going to have to be knocking you. 
the line, bringing you into shape, hounding you about this and hounding you about that. I know that a conviction hasn't been formed yet, but when a conviction is formed, you can take your hands off of that part of their life and say, let's move on to the next thing and let's preach the next thing. Let your spirit take hold. Let your faith take hold of the word of God. Can I hear an amen? And spiritual leaders as ministers, we can try to browbeat people, try to manipulate try to coerce people into compliance with God's principles. And we, you know, you may be able to accomplish some temporary conformity, but you never establish convictions. Convictions cannot be forced on anybody. They can't be forced on anybody. Convictions are a miracle. They happen when two parts come together, when God's word and your faith come together. When the word is preached and you would say in your spirit, I believe the word. Let it be formed. Let it be established. Amen. God's will and purpose for your life are tied up in the idea of you moving on to completion. What has God been speaking to you about? Why have you put God on hold? Is there some reason that you're sandbagging God? You're holding God off. Tell me. I come to talk to you today about your salvation. I'm come to talk to you about your completion. The process of completion is it's time to move on. You can't survive long on inspiration and feeling. The music's just right. Boy, I feel good now. I believe God's real. Wasn't sure when I came in, but boy, they sang that song. and Now I know God's real. Hey, I'm a believer now. That's just inspiration. And it's fickle and you're immature and shallow. You need to build the building. Build it with convictions. Let the word of God see because once that conviction is established, it is solid. Amen. It's solid. I don't feel like you have to build the whole building overnight. But when God speaks to you, let the word form a conviction. Let that little preacher be born. And let God establish something inside of you. Amen. Families, are you going to church or living for God just out of obligation or because of family connections or because you're used to this church? You have no convictions. You're not going to last. Finally, I just want to say that even if you have had convictions, it's possible to lose convictions or silence or gag the little preacher. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 says that certain people are hypocrites or liars because their conscience has been seared it means it's been deadened that's the idea of taking nerves and burning yourself dead what do the nerves do the nerves tell you when you're in danger what does the conscience, conscience tell you when you're in danger preaches to the bible says quench not the spirit that means don't put a gag on the preacher the little preacher that spirit led preacher because if you if you silence him you silence him and you violate your conscience, and your conscience is seared. First Timothy 1.19 says, Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Deliberately violating their conscience. Cling to your faith. Don't ever let anyone convince you to violate your conscience and go back on God-given convictions. Hold on to them. The Apostle Paul says, be fully persuaded in your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. See, because when your conscience is violated, it's when you start doing things that would have at a certain point 
instigated that little preacher or that conscience. See, I, I, I can watch. I can watch when people, from a perspective of a pastor, start to slip. They start missing church for every little thing that comes along. Say, are you saying, Pastor, that if I, I miss church, then, then I'm not right with God? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you silence that little preacher inside. See, my parents put convictions in. But those convictions had to be affirmed when the Word of God mixed with my faith. Right? And when I was growing up, you know when I missed church? When I was on a stretcher. When I missed church, when I was in a hospital bed. Or maybe if I was extremely uh, contagious. But, but I was in the house of the Lord. That just something that was built into me. Solid. Solid as a rock. The Bible says to be fully persuaded. And I know that I stand here today, not on my own two, but I stand here today because of convictions of my mother. Convictions that were established. And some of you are raised And you're putting convictions into your children. In closing, I want to tell the story of I believe in a large part I'm standing here before you today. Obviously, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. However, I think it has a lot to do with Uncle Bill, my, my, my great uncle Bill, dad's side of the family. My dad's side of the family was aunts, uncles, cousins, great cousins. All these that are still apostolic, living for God. We get together for a family reunion. There's so much long hair and hairspray. Little girls and little boys. Spirit filled. And I know it's because, in large part, because of one. Bill. Uncle Bill, it died a few years ago. But uh, Uncle Bill married my grandma's sister, Dodie, her name. Uncle Bill had been raised around the things of God. And uh, reached his teenage years, he kind of did his own thing. Values, track, pathway. And uh, became an alcoholic. Served in the Second World War as a tank gunner. He was a beautiful singer. He would walk into bars. He would croon popular songs of the day, you know, the Frank Sinatra type songs. And, and they would give him, buy him drinks. And he was an alcoholic and he came out of the war and rode the tracks as a hobo. Get off here and get off there. Didn't have a home. Wouldn't go back home. But I remember hearing the story of when Uncle Bill, in his early 20s, came into the house of the Lord. Hit the bottom. He was trying to find out what he was going to do with his life emotionally. Distraught, strung out, stretched. He came into the house of the Lord. The power of God got a hold of my uncle Bill. And I, I, I don't know the details, whether he crawled down the aisle or came down on his knees, slithered down like a snake. But I know he was humbly drawn to that altar where he cried out to God and asked God to forgive him, asked God to give him a new life. And this man who'd been just as wild as you can imagine gave his life to the Lord. And when he gave his life to the Lord, wasn't 28%, wasn't 76%. When Uncle Bill gave his life to Jesus, 99 and a half wouldn't do. He gave himself 100%.
to the Lord. And God put convictions in his heart. Convictions. Because of the life he lived before, because of the things that he done, God established a found solid foundation. Convictions like the things that I mentioned. But you know, there are things that God began to speak about. He has let those uh, convictions established. There were things that he would never places he would never go, things that he would never watch because of conviction that were in his spirit. Sometimes us younger ones would tease him because he wouldn't even go to the golf course. We would laugh at him because, uh, um, you know, he'd never even look at a, at a screen, TV screen or nothing like that. But God had put convictions in his heart. And I believe because of those strong convictions, something was built that not only could he build on, but his family on him. His other, uh, his wife's sister, whose husband wasn't serving God, who happened to be my grandmother, built on the foundation of Uncle Bill and Aunt Dodie. And then, and then uh, his, his wife's brother and his, his wife and their seven kids built on the foundation of this man who had put some things in stone and was fully persuaded and while the waves came and went and the foam and the froth went high and low, when it came back down, there was a wall standing there. There was something that was established. And no matter how times changed and things changed and opinions changed and outsiders' perspective changed, there was something that was established because it had been built because the Spirit of God spoke to the heart of a man and the heart of a man mixed with the Word of God established something that was solid and settled, could never wash away. God wants to finish the work in your life. God wants to make a difference. But it's not going to be just because you have a great inspirational experience or emotional time. It's going to be because when God's word mixes with your faith, something solid happens. Something is established that you don't have to relay it again and come back to this issue again and again and again and again. Now you can move on and put something else on top of it. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus.